Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Luka Milanovic. So Luka has over 24 years of coaching experience across six different sports. He's prepared top-level athletes for 15 big competitions including Olympics, World Cups and European Championships and he's currently the Head of Strength and Conditioning at the Croatian Football Federation. So without further ado it's time to welcome Luka onto the show. So Luca, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, thanks. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. Uh, Luca Milanovic, uh, PhD, actually Associate Professor at the University of Zagreb. Uh, I have 24 years of coaching experience in different sports, which actually helped me a lot uh, in what I do now. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to prepare top-level athletes for 15 big competitions, such as Olympic Games, World Cups, European Championships. Uh, last five years, I've been head of strength and conditioning at Croatian Football Federation. Uh, also, I'm involved in high-performance sports center at Croatian Olympic Committee, uh, faculty member at Football uh, Science Institute, and many different different things which interest me, not only in sports, but in general life. I think it's a, a huge combination of experience that you're bringing as well. And obviously your, your most recent successes were at the World Cup. So can you take us through what it was like to be at the World Cup as a practitioner? Well, it was a different World Cup than, for example, last one, uh, especially in terms of the schedule, because it was right in the middle of the season. So some players played only 20 or, or 25 games, which is actually perfect for us. Uh, because last World Cup in Russia was like 50 to 60 games per player, which is you know a lot bi- a, a, a lot different than than this one. Also, another different thing was uh, no flights between the games, so that was a big help. Uh, that of course changed the internal schedule of the competition because we had a little bit less days between the matches. So that's some kind of change. But you know what? With no flights, we can take this this shorter period between the matches and we we were fortunate enough to, to stay in the same hotel for 30 days which is actually good it's not perfect because you're in the same place but you know when you win everything is easier so it's, <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's good it's good so it was different world cup but you know every big competition is exciting it's challenging uh it's demanding in terms of work so this was the same thing but organization-wise, it was it was incredible World Cup for us. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously highly successful as well with some some really big wins. But before we get on yeah. to, to how you put that all together and and what was behind that success, how have Croatia done so well as a, a footballing yeah. nation? Considering there's, four, there's less than four million people, right? Yeah, it's three point eight, <clears throat> maybe, maybe even less because young people are moving out, so it's probably even less. It's it's. It sounds incredible, you know, uh, in, but it, sports in general is big in Croatia and football is something even bigger than that. Football is like religion in Croatia, as it is in different countries, of course. But in Croatia, you know, when you have all of the young kids uh, wanting to be top level football players, plus you have environment which is not easy to grow up in. Uh, because you need to develop some kind of resilience, maybe is the best the best word. You need to be resilient in your classroom, in your uh, locker room, in your street to be able to survive. We are fortunate enough that our kids are still playing a lot outside, so they have that you know free 
free uh, playing uh, football time, but also they they are involved in you know biking for five to ten kilometers per day, especially in in the age which is extremely important for that between ages of ten and fifteen. All of our practically all of our players now in national team grew up playing outside a lot, and I'm I'm confident that that helped them to develop. For example, two millimole threshold, which is very important for for football. So. It's combination of mental and physical, uh, of course, good genetics, good mixture of different nationalities and uh, genetic types. So when you combine all of that, uh, plus when you put all of that into good system, good enough system, I would say, it's not the perfect system of development in the clubs. It's not perfect system in national team, but it's very, very good system. And leadership is uh, extremely good in, in our especially a national team. So when you have that kind of pyramid of kids in wider base growing up that way, the best of them come to us. And then we try to be smart with them. Then you have chance for, for this kind of success. So it's really interesting that they get that, that broad upbringing as well. So I know you mentioned resilience, which is a, a super interesting topic we could do an entire different podcast on. But just looking at that, that general um, physical ability that they do lots of different things, lots of, of stuff outside. And I think that yeah. compared to a lot of nations, um, especially with kids growing up now with lots of computer access and telephone access, all that kind of stuff, that's really different to, oh, they're going to bike for, for five to 10 kilometers a day. And that's not their exercise. Yeah. That's just their general life. And then they're going to go exactly. and play football. Exactly. And also multi-sport approach, which is sometimes, you know, being random here, but, you know, it is as, as it is. So multi-sport approach before age of 10 or 12, for us, it turns out to be extremely important, you know. And when you talk about resilience, maybe you don't know, the nickname of Croatia internally is Absurdistan because of all the bureaucracy and all the some kind of bullshit that you have to go through in, 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 daily, in daily life. Where we have a lot of, you know, people who take two hour breaks within the working day to have coffee, which is, of course, sometimes cool, but you have to be able to navigate through all of that. So that also helps you to, to develop some kind of uh, resilience in terms of what happens around you to be tolerant and to be focused. So we have players who are really tolerant and focused and we as, as their staff are trying to be the same way. I think it's a, a great little insight. And when we bring that back to the, the World Cup, right? So obviously, you have a really short preparation for a relatively long competition. Um, what are your key physical goals going into that tournament? Because you've, you've not got a lot of time to work on those things. You've just got your players exactly. in. What, how, how do you set yeah. physical targets? This year was even less time, uh, as you know. Uh, before Russia World Cup, we had more than two weeks. Now we had nine days before the first match. So this is not preparation period. If you start it as a preparation period, you will fall miserably. You know, this is just a big camp and that's it. So we do it as we always do it. Uh, we have actually our sports intelligence system where we gather information before. We are trying to be very non-invasive in terms of uh, diagnostics, in terms of uh, everything that we do. So it, we are based on communication. We make our decisions based not only on numbers, of course, also numbers, but we like to view at it as uh, eyes, ears, numbers in that order. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, we before the camp, before the competition, we gather all of the information, especially from the players directly, but also from their personal trainers, from the clubs. We we get the reports from the last month at least from from the clubs, so that we know what's what's going on. But even if we don't get reports from some of the clubs, we also, of course, know what's going on because we know the players for a long time and we know their habits, we know their capacities. So we try to uh, spend first two or three days of the camp, of course, training optimally hard, but also trying to get them all on the same page in terms of, you know, uh, physical uh, status and, of course, everything else that's, that's going on. I think it's a, a really interesting insight there that you, I really like the, the eyes, ears, and then data. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're using that data to support decisions, but actually you're looking at humans first and you're, you're exactly. seeing how they walk in, you're listening to what they say. And of course, brilliant that they, they bring wellness data or GPS data and you can, you can do work with that. But actually yeah. the person in front of you dictates the, the decisions that you make. Definitely. As, as you said, and in the World Cup, we, of course, use the, the GPS data, but we are, for example, not using the RPE. Uh, it, it's, it's very individualized for us, actually. It's, you know, it's such a wide range of everything that we do individually that it's incredible. You know, I have young players who, for example, like to wear uh, overring and like to track sleep, like to do many different things. And that guy one year ago was, you know, playful he didn't care about anything but now he's you know so serious about everything i have another guy who is also 20 who was always serious about everything he was always curious about breathing techniques uh, recovery methods everything but now he says i don't want to wear a ring because that's too much for me i think i sleep good and then if i wake up in the morning and see the report okay i didn't get enough deep sleep stuff like that it's gonna mess me up yeah so he was always serious but he draws the line somewhere for example so just in terms of tracking sleep, I have such a wide variety of, you know, interests and, and habits. And when you talk about uh, additional stability mobility programs or additional strength training or power training, you can imagine what was that like. Such what, what, a wide range. What is that like then? Like, talk, talk us through how a, how a gym session looks for you guys. For example, we in these 36 days, we had 30 individual gym sessions in the morning. Actually... Everything that's off the pitch, it's extremely individualized and it's not mandatory, you know. Uh, breakfast is mandatory. Breakfast is, is actually, it's, it's, not, it's not obligation, it, it, whatever. If you want to slip in, slip in. Uh, actually, the day starts at the meeting at 12, 12.30. But before that, between 10 and 12, my assistant and I, we're in the gym and players come and go, come and go. They do their own individual work. So... Out of 26 players, on average, we have 18 players, 18 players coming in. So not always 18 players every day, but on average, 18 players in these two hours come and go. Out of them, maybe half of them have extremely good personal trainers. So they have their own program. We are there to support them, to maybe make small changes. And all of the rest are working either with my assistant or, or myself, our, our program. So... It's it's a lot of work and in the gym and it's such a wide range of programs, you know, from uh, low intensity, uh, muscular endurance type of programs to high intensity power programs, for example, even match day for some players. 
so, you know, so such extreme uh, wide variety of programs, I'll, but everything is individualized. So when you combine, for example, these two hours in the morning, plus, of course, in the afternoon, we have 45 minutes before the training session, of also individualized programs. Then after the training session, again, 20 to 30 minutes of individual programs. So when you combine all that, you come to the, the conclusion that we spend more time working individually than team. Yeah. So SNC in football today is more individual category than, than team category. In these last five years of me as head of strength and conditioning, I did zero team strength training sessions. Zero. But we did it every day, individually, you know. And so I how, think how do those decisions get made? Because I I don't disagree with your your setup at all, because obviously like what that person needs is different to the next person, but how does then how did the, the staff then decide whether a player needs that or doesn't need that, or does it is entirely up to the player? It's up to me and the player. It's up to, to us to communicate and to see what he's used to and what would be the best option for him to be able to perform on the pitch. You know, it's not, it's not about me. Uh, it's not about SNC program. It's not about making me feeling good about myself. It's about turning down my ego and, you know, realizing that the mission is above everybody else and the goal is above, above everybody. So when you have short time, and the club is different, of course, but in, in national team, in short period of time, you don't change their habits a lot. Believe me. Ten years ago, I had two players who quit smoking during the big competition. That was horrible. It was horrible. That's if, mad. If, For professional footballers, you know, who quit smoking for a big tournament. It, 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 it was actually it was actually in basketball. Okay, yes, yeah, right. So, so within within the tournament, they quit smoking. That was horrible for for their performance. Don't change anything, <laughs> even if it, even if even if it's a bad habit like that. We're gonna work on your lifestyle later. Okay, we're gonna change it. You know. A, bit by bit but within the big competition when you have nine days of preparation which is not preparation it's just a big camp and then you play every fourth day you play please don't change a lot eat what you eat when you when you want to feel the best when you when you want to perform the best you know even if i have opinion okay maybe for you this type of program would be much better but it's going to take time for you to adapt because everything we do as coaches revolves around stress and adaptation you know you know again going back to the fundamentals it's all about stress and adaptation so which kind of stress is going to help you to adapt to a higher level of whatever to be able to perform where on the pitch not in the gym you know so it's all about the pitch everything that all all of that day schedule that i described it's all in terms of the pitch in the afternoon to, be, to help them perform on the pitch in the training session, you know? And again, it's not easy to shut down your ego. But when you have 15 competitions, when you fail many times, but when you fall, you fall forward, you learn something, uh, then you're able to, you know, control your ego and say, okay, even though I think this might be better for this player, he feels good doing this, what he did so far. I'm going to help him to change 2% of that. Maybe to give him just a little boost in terms of whatever, and that's going to be maybe enough. Maybe let's let's change some short intervals, uh, match day minus two. Uh, let's change it just a little bit, just slightly, and let's maybe 
put in some kind of sidestepping on the treadmill backwards, uh, moving on the tread, just to show him something a little bit different. It's going to be just two minutes extra, three days before the match, to give him something a little bit different, just a little bit different stress. Again, stress and adaptation. Small changes in stress are going to result in some kind of adaptation, but for every adaptation, as you know, it takes a long time. And if you have nine days or even 30 days, it's not long enough to create significant adaptation. But, you know, if you have some tips and tricks to make them believe in the program a little bit more, that's also very, very beneficial. Even though it's not, you know, deep physiology and not sports science, maybe it's more psychology. But in my experience, it's very important. And what, what kind of tips and tricks would you then use? Because obviously it's, it's, it sounds, sounds really appealing. Like what, what would you then uh, use to make sure players are, are buying in and, and believing in their, their training? Individualized things. You know, some, some players uh, are more inclined to, to strength and to hypertrophy. Some players are more inclined to stability or mobility of some parts. Some are more inclined in, you know, in lifestyle, you know, and just to, to give them what they need, to give them, for example, sometimes just, just to show them that you know uh, a lot more than their coaches, for example, you know, uh, within the recovery training, just maybe to, to tell them a short story about sympathetic and parasympathetic, you know, activation. And when you, when you have variability in terms of activation of, of these uh, two parts of our nervous system, that, that can help you to recover faster, for example. But, you know, just tell them, Short stories, simple stories, uh, where you show that you have great knowledge, and sometimes that's that's all all there is. But if if you show them that you know a lot, but you don't show, that's that's sometimes you know uh, effective in terms of making them believe in the program more. And you, you just mentioned recovery techniques. I'm I'm interested to hear how you recovered with such a short distance between those games, right? So. You, you said, uh, for example, four days uh, in between. Sometimes it might have been three. So how how do you make sure that players are recovering between those matches? Yeah. Actually, we, we usually had three days in between. So the fourth day was uh, already the match. So actually, we, we spent, of course, with the players who played. It's totally different schedule than the players who, who don't play. We uh, have a lot of players who like to train hard and a lot. So... Match day plus one for players who played 60 minutes plus was always a recovery day. And uh, sometimes we just give them, you know, the table of 150 points, collect 150 points, whatever way you want. So, for example, con- contrast bath or cold bath is worth 40 or 50, whatever. Then you have uh, manual therapy. You have, you know, 20 methods. Some of them are basic, you know, some of them are just, you know, hydration, a meal, a nap, uh, stuff like that. But, you know, collect your points in whatever way you want. Uh, all of these guys are extremely professional. All, all of these guys are, every, every one of them is really serious about something else. One of them is, you know, extremely serious about food. Some, some of them about sleep. A lot of them about, you know, uh, additional training. Um and that's the same thing in, in recovery. A lot of them like manual therapy. So we have uh, five physiotherapists who work a lot. 
And even though science will sometimes tell you, okay, this method is not really significantly going to help you, this will, but, you know, it's again, if players uh, believe in something and if they're used to something, then we, we like to give them that. And we like to have, we, we, we like to service them, you know. We are all in, in service of the players. Why? Because we want them to perform their best on the pitch. So we kind of tend to have leadership from behind, you know, starting from a head coach. Head coach is also that kind of person, really calm guy, really, you know, confident, but, you know, sometimes quiet and really calm. So it's also type of leadership from, from behind. When you look at our captain, Luka Modric, who is an incredible guy, but he's also extreme leader, but he doesn't have to talk a lot to be a leader, you know. So when you combine all that, uh, in terms of recovery, it helps. It helps you to focus on what's coming next. It helps you to cut mentally what happened, which is also extremely important. I would just give you one example. For example, after the Brazil match, we came back to the hotel, and all of our players are you know, peacefully and quietly watching the match between Argentina and Netherlands, <laughs> preparing for the for the next opponent. In you know being focused. And two hours ago, they just finished the, the, one of the biggest matches in Croatian history, you know. But, you know, being able to cut that off mentally and to focus on what's coming next, I think it's, it's maybe the most important part of recovery. I think that's, that's really interesting. And I want to get onto that, that periodization between the Brazil match and then the semifinal in just a second. But before we do, were there any types of technology that you used to, to support the players? I mean, you mentioned GPS, for example, but are there any other pieces of, of tech that you think were really useful during that, uh, that time? Well, you know, we like high tech, as I said, <coughs> ears, eyes, I mean, eyes, ears, and, and numbers. Uh, high tech is there to help us, uh, uh, to help us, you know, make decisions in, in, a, in a smarter way. Uh, of course, in terms of recovery, we used every, every, everything possible in terms of high tech, but uh, it, it, it's nothing that nobody else uses, of course. Uh, in terms of training, actually, we didn't use a lot more than, than GPS in terms of tracking. Uh, and we also, as I mentioned, you know, as, as it can be visible from our strategies, we are sometimes more low tech and no tech. Uh, yeah. Then, of course, high tech is there to help us. But you know, after a, after a long time, I'm sure you also are the, the same way. You already know what what each session is going to produce in terms of uh, high intensity distance, sprint distance, axle diesel, uh, all all of that stuff. So you know what what happens when you play possession in in terms of five v five or six v six when you play uh, small sided games this way or that way. You already know what's that going to produce. So. Uh, GPS is of course helpful, but after years of experience, you already know it's it's of course helpful to individualize things and maybe to see which player did or did not maybe produce what you what you wanted. But you know, other than that, I think all of this other stuff is is even more important. Absolutely excellent. And when we get to that that um, periodization then between the the Brazil game and then the semi final. What what was going through the team in that week? Because obviously you've just played 120 minutes, right? That's a, a really big long game, um, and you, you mentioned they yeah. can they switch that off straight away. But 
What do you do then after that game to prepare for the, the semi-final, which is obviously just a couple of days away? Yeah, yeah. We, we actually had the, the game before was also 120 minutes against Japan. But if you remember, I don't know if you followed Croatia in the World Cup 2018, we had three times 120 minutes. So we had in the, in the uh, knockout stage, we played Denmark 120 minutes, Russia 120 minutes, England 120 minutes in Russia. Here in Qatar, we played Japan 120 minutes, and then we played Brazil 120 minutes. So we kind of, you know, graduated that kind of that kind of uh, game situation. And you know, one of the also differences which I forgot to tell you in the beginning, the big difference at this World Cup, and I'm I'm not sure if if all of the SNC coaches are realizing this, but the game itself is 10 percent longer. Because of With additional so time. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So before it was 94 minutes on average. Now it's over 100 minutes on average. So that's, plus, that's plus, the, plus the Plus the extra time on top plus of that, Plus the right? extra, extra, yeah. So this is extra, extra. But, you know, the game itself has changed. It, it You know, 10% is a lot. 10% is yeah. huge. So that's <laughs> actually one of the, you know, biggest differences at this World Cup. I forgot to tell you that in the beginning. But I think it's it's really important. So game the game itself is longer. And do you think then players need to be more fit to to deal with that extra ten percent difference? Well, you know, they're fit as they're fit, you know, in, in that short period of time. But I think they of course everybody needs to be more fit. <laughs> I, I I don't know if you know if you ever heard of player who is, you know, too good in endurance or too good in, in, in power or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible to be too good at anything. So we all, we all need a lot. But, you know, in terms of specific position tasks, we, of course, you have big differences. For example, we have, in, even within the midfield, we have different different types of players. We have, you know, range from 200 to 500 meters of sprint per match, you know. We have, you know, such such a big differences because total distance is is nothing actually, as you know. Total distance means it depends on formation, uh, possession, many things. Uh, also, sprint distance is not enough. Sprint plus high intensity, okay, that's that's a little bit better, but still not not enough. Uh, for example, depending on the system that you use, maybe you have high metabolic load distance or whatever, whatever parameter. You use so that makes you a little bit more smart, but you know you have to look at it, you know, individually in terms of position, and then you can make uh, smarter decisions. And when when we bring that back then to the uh, decision making between the Brazil game and the semi final, yeah, 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 yeah. you've you've obviously so, gone through yeah. all of that before in the the previous World Cup, and you've just played yeah. 120 minutes twice. Yeah. How do you yeah. how do you recover for that semi final? We, we, we like to take 48 hours. We like to take 48 hours for recovery. Uh, Mesh day plus one is usually done uh, through combination of, as I said, especially contrast bath, uh, nutrition, supplementation, which is basic and fundamental, uh, hydration, which is also uh, important and basic. Uh, Mesh day plus one is uh, actually a combination of active recovery, uh, manual therapy, again, Bass individually, uh, stuff like that. While the players who didn't play have, you know, high intensity compensation session. And for example, we have players who played 45 or 50 minutes who insisted on being involved in compensation session. So 
that's fortunate for us to have this type of mentality and this type of habits. So that compensation session for players who, who didn't play was, you know, high-intensity possessions and high-intensity 6v6, for example, plus short intervals in the end. That was the compensation session plus one. But back to recovery. Match day plus two, we had team training session, which was done the first 40 minutes was all together. We did uh, good warm-up. We did uh, rondo. We did stuff like that, which was also part of recovery because we like to view recovery as active. We like to to uh, uh, to use interval exercises, interval sessions as part of recovery. So when you play rondo, that's also type of interval and type of variability session. But also at the end of that session for players who played a lot, so this was plus two day, they also did, for example, four to six times 70 meters for in 15 seconds, which is not high intensity, but it's, you know, just short interval burst, uh, which is... Uh, cheap metabolically but also gives you you know a little bit of a little touch of uh, cardiovascular or cardiorespiratory is is better term uh, uh, in that way so we like to use interval training as part of recovery and for these players who played a lot that was match day plus two uh, easy session active recovery with a touch of interval training plus of course individualized manual therapy and everything else that they like to do. So that was 48 hours. And then the next day was already match day minus one, for example. So it's our usual, usual match day minus one, which is a short session um, playing uh, half pitch uh, tactics, uh, speed and agility as, as, as always actually speed and agility was part of every session sometimes only for two or three minutes sometimes 10 to 15 minutes depending depending on the on the day so when you look at speed and speed and agility it was you know daily daily routine uh, as everything else you develop some kind of routines match day minus four three two one and you stick to it those habits you mentioned earlier, right? Like the we we're not yeah. gonna do too much different to all of the other times because otherwise people lose their rhythm and maybe lose the focus. So I think that's uh, it's nice to see that same uh, those those values coming back in in different places as well. Definitely, definitely. Excellent, mate. So before we leave, I want to uh, ask you a, a difficult question in terms of reflection. And what what do you think then you would have done differently, or would you have done anything differently um, at the World Cup? Well, that's 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 a tough one, you know. That's a tough one. Uh, when you have good success, which is bronze, of course you have to be satisfied. But of course, all of us have high high goals, and we like to always win. Uh, so I wouldn't do anything significantly different. Uh, I would, you know, Argentina match was for us a bit different. We kind of a little bit maybe lost our focus, maybe lost our resilience, you know. We made few small mistakes. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what we could do different to to stop that, you know. I, I'm going to analyze it. I, I'm going to do, you know, even deeper analysis. It's been only 10 days so far, so it's, it's a short time. 
reflection is going to take some some more time but you know maybe trying to figure out what to do to to maintain that kind of that kind of focus that kind of you know approach to everything but you know it's it's the details the details on top level 1% here and there which is actually impossible to to control if you take if you say that there is 100 factors that are going to determine my success out of those 100 factors i have 60 under my control 40 i don't have under my control so out, out of this 60 it's impossible to have all 60 successfully under control so when you look at it that way more more things are not under control than they are so you just have to be uh, satisfied with what you did uh, believe that you did your best actually do your best of course if it takes 15 <laughs> hours a day 15 yeah. hours a day try to do your best go to sleep happy and satisfied and you know turn over the rest to god or fate or whatever you believe in you know so this is the same thing i tried to do that so actually when when you ask me it it might sound sound cocky to say i wouldn't do anything different but i gave my best every day i would maybe do slight individual things in terms of maybe talking to players a little bit more differently but in terms of program i don't think i would do anything different was it perfect it's never perfect but i think it was optimal for this kind of team because even if i would do something differently it doesn't mean that would be successful you know yeah yeah just mean try that i would try something different what would happen i don't know <laughs> yeah how could i know you know Absolutely brilliant. So, Luca, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Where can people find more information about you? Uh, LinkedIn page, uh, my my name, uh, Luca Milanovic. You, you'll see the photo of me with, with the medal, the latest medal. And this is the place where I'm most active. I have Instagram, of course. Uh, it's uh, Milanovic1978. Uh, <clears throat> so they can find me there. Not too many posts, but it's interesting to, to, to connect to, to all kinds of people. Absolutely excellent. So, Luca, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I've really enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking again soon. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Luca for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of online sports science courses. And these are broken down into bite-sized chunks so you can fit it in and around your busy coaching schedule. Every time you complete a course, you also get a certificate of completion, which means that you can prove your ongoing education. So if you're interested in joining us in the Science of Sport Coach Academy, you can join us completely for free for seven days using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.